0: where does keaton slovis measure up in terms of overall qb rankings heading into the 2023 season and will that pretend success or failure for byu let's talk about it you are locked on cougars your daily podcast on the byu cougars part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show, whether you're watching it on YouTube, listening into the regular podcast form, and just interacting with us overall. Thank you so much. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where, of course, the motto is your team every day. And it's, as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars, bringing all the news, notes, and everything else you can muster when it comes to BYU sports. All right, let's start off today's show. and something I've been thinking about because there was an interesting article, and we'll talk more about the article itself here in a minute, coming from the College Football Network, which is a really fun new website. Cam Meller, some of you might know him, a college football uh guru, I call him, a guy who's really involved in the college football scene on social media, is heading up that venture. It's an offshoot of the Pro Football Network website that came came about a couple years back, but He's doing really cool stuff, and he went through and ranked the proje- the quarterbacks' projected starters in the Big 12, all the way down the list, 1 to 14. And we'll talk about where each one of these guys slot in, but I wanted to start off today's show talking about what I think is maybe the most important thing for BYU to have gotten in the transfer portal, and that is a high-level quarterback. The Big 12, its history, at least recently, has been that elite quarterback play will help you ascend the ladder to being a top dog or one of the top dogs in the Big 12 conference faster than anything else. Think about what Oklahoma did with guys like Jalen Hurts. Uh, you also can include may- Baker Mayfield. Uh, you also had, uh, what's his face, Caleb Williams for the one year he was there at Oklahoma. Oklahoma was super, super relevant, if not the top dog in the conference when they had an elite quarterback. Max Duggan may be the best quarterback in the Big 12 this past year. And what does TCU do? They go out and put together a college football playoff run to make it to the national championship game. The Big 12 requires that you have high level quarterback play if you truly want to compete on the conference level. If, if you want to be a player, so to say, when it comes to the Big 12, you have got to have a difference maker with the ball in their hands every single snap at quarterback. Now, had Jaron Hall stuck around for another year at BYU, it would have been a phenomenal thing for BYU to have a guy like that under center taking snaps for BYU because he knows BYU's offense inside and out. But due to his age and just the, the fact that he'd been in that role and obviously some health concerns, he needed to make the jump to the NFL. So BYU went out and pursued quarterbacks in the transfer portal. We know that they invited two that made trips to BYU. First being uh, Brett, uh, not Brett Pine, (laughs) BYU Sports Information, Brett Pine, no. Drew Pine uh, from Notre Dame visited. He ultimately committed and signed with Arizona State. But also Keaton Slovis, of course, now signed with BYU, made a trip to BYU to see what BYU was all about. This is a guy who had played at Lavelle Edwards Stadium before. Many of you will recall him as a freshman playing there at LES and that overtime win uh, for the Cougars in that game. But BYU, having talked with enough folks inside that program, had Keaton Slovis at the top of their list of quarterbacks that were in the transfer portal, and they thought that he was their number one target, and they landed their guy. Could that be them blowing smoke up my skirt, trying to make me think that this guy has absolutely got it? Sure, that absolutely could be And There's probably an element of truth to that. But I think that BYU truly believes that they can get the most out of Keaton Slovis. They feel like last year at Pitt, he was put in a no-win situation. And, of course, the pretty controversial comments from Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi, we played on the podcast last week. You can go back and find it. Him saying that maybe we wanted to lose our starter from last year. That's such a messed up thing to say. And I hope that gets played back for him when guys are being recruited by Pitt in the future. And he's like, oh, you're going to rip me like this, coach, if I happen to leave your program? It's pretty messed up for him to... Make a statement like that, but nonetheless, Keaton Slovis is a guy BYU believes they can get the most out of, and they absolutely need to nail it because if they want to get, as I said, my benchmark for success in year one of the Big 12 is six and six. Like I said, I'm not necessarily anticipating that being like BYU struggling to get to six and six. That's what I think BYU just needs to focus on is being bull eligible. You get to seven and five, eight and four, great, and probably to get to that level, you Keaton Slovis needs to be an absolute stud. He needs to be the guy at quarterback for BYU and lead them to that success. Does he have it in him? Sure. We have seen high-level quarterback play from him with elite wide-receiving talent around him at USC. Is BYU's wide-receiving talent as good as USC's is? No. But BYU has a pretty good wide-receiving core. He's got a stable of tight ends to toss it to, and if he avoids, well, no, definitely avoids. If he can look across the middle a little bit more and find some of those tight ends, that might open up the offense even more for BYU. One of Jaron Hall's weaknesses, and I I don't take any pleasure in saying this, but he struggled to see the middle of the field. And part of it is due to the fact of his lack of height. They list him at six foot barely, I think, in the official measurements at the Senior Bowl. He struggled to see the middle of the field, and it's something that NFL scouts are going to just pry and dig into to see if it's something that he just can't see, he prefers not to see, does he prefer to go to his wide receivers, whatever it is. That's that's Jaron Hall's prerogative. A guy like Keaton Slovis, he has got to prove the ability ability to, with his arm, manipulate defenses and strike at all corners of the field. One thing I love about the film from Keenan Slovis is he's got the ability to make the deep ball a big part of BYU's arsenal once again. So getting back to my original point, BYU, if they truly want to be a, a spoiler, a power player, a contender, whatever you want to term it. In their first year in the Big 12 conference, they absolutely need to have nailed this quarterback position because the Big 12 absolutely demands high-level quarterback play if you want to be a relevant program. You cannot have a weakness at quarterback and truly be one of those teams that's going to be competing unless you have maybe, what, Derrick Henry at running back, it feels like. Deuce Vaughn has been kind of that guy for for Kansas State, but Will Howard has taken over at Kansas State at quarterback and was absolutely lights out. So quarterback play trumps all in the Big 12, and BYU needs to make sure that it can continues to be a priority for them moving forward. Now, Aaron Roderick, he's got the track record of developing back-to-back NFL quarterbacks. I do not think it's going to fall off with him at the helm of BYU's offense, but it absolutely needs to be something BYU maintains. High-level quarterbacks, elite quarterback talent. They need to get that to Provo and let them shine in this offense. If they do that, it'll give BYU more than a puncher's chance, it feels like, in certain circumstances in this new conference home of theirs. All right, let's talk about the actual rankings. Where does Keaton Slovis check in on Cam Miller's list? We'll get to that in just a moment. Also coming up later on in today's show, we look back at another game. We begin the 2013 season for BYU. They headed to Charlottesville, West, uh, not West Virginia, Charlottesville, Virginia to take on the Cavaliers. How did things go in that game? We'll look back at that, and also get you ready for BYU and Santa Clara and hoops tonight at the Marriott Center. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been working with us for many, many months now, my friends. The best part is the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time for you guys to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook in app form, because new customers are getting a no sweat first bet with up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Think about that. If you don't win, you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets from our friends at FanDuel. All you got to is just download the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drain and any other of a myriad of different prop bets out there. Whether it's on the NBA All-Star Game festivities this weekend, if you think you know who's going to win the dunk contest, the three-point shooting contest, whatever you're looking for, they've got it for you guys now at FanDuel. The best part is FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a bigger ch- a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay as well. You can do anything you want to do with our friends at FanDuel. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet as a new member of the FanDuel army. Get up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and being a part of this show every single day to all of you out there. You guys are absolutely awesome. Make sure you check out a brand new podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. That's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about the college basketball scene in one place. Hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches and players alike. Get up to speed on everything with March Madness upcoming. That's Locked On College Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts and also available on YouTube. All right, as I mentioned, let's talk about this quarterback ranking uh, article. And this comes from Cam Miller, I guess said of the pro of the pro football network now running the college football network does a really good job and he's a guy who just simply loves college football cam's a great dude i am have to get him on the podcast here soon Something i'm endeavoring to do uh, out there uh, more as we kind of move into the off season but he starts off with an interesting one at number one dylan gabriel From Oklahoma, he's 800 yards shy of 12,000 career passing yards. Gabriel obviously rose to fame at UCF. Transferred over to Oklahoma, did not have a great year this past year, but returned to the Sooners, expecting to have a better year in 2023. Interesting pick at number one for him. Number two, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Is Quinn Ewers even going to finish the training camp as the starting quarterback at Texas? Of course, we all know about Arch Manning, the five-star talent, one of the top-rated quarterbacks, picking Texas famously to play for uh, the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian. I would assume that Quinn Ewers probably gets the nod early on in the season, but he falters at all. The number 2 quarterback, uh, could Arch Manning take over that job? Number 3 on this list, Jalen Daniels from Kansas. Now, uh, Daniels has been really, really good in helping Kansas get off the mat. You all know how bad Kansas has been for many, many years. Jalen Daniels helped them get the bowl eligibility this year and really did it in some cases by himself. I don't know how much uh, Big 12 football you all watched this past year. I saw enough of Kansas to know that Jalen Daniels, the dude, is incredible, but he needs more talent around him if Kansas really wants to be any sort of relevant. Number four, a guy I already mentioned, Will Howard from Kansas State. Now, Will Howard uh, kind of uh, battled for time this year at Kansas State, but as the season progressed, saw more and more time. And he took off after Adrian Martinez got injured, who actually had a pretty decent season in his own right after having transferred over from Nebraska. But Will Howard has got great size. He's got a great arm. He makes Kansas State much more, uh, I guess, dual threat-ish, I guess, as a program than they were previously. Chris Klein Simon's program has very much been a rush-heavy offense for many, many years eh, with him at the helm in Manhattan. This guy, Will Howard, really can open it up. I actually have, I'd have Will Howard probably number two on this list if it were me. Number five, a guy that BYU saw this past year, Blake Shapin from Baylor. Shapin had a really down year, especially considering the fact that they let a, a, a starter leave the program and Gary Bohannon to take when Shapen uh, stood out in spring ball. Shapin has got to bounce back this year. I wouldn't have him this high on the list, but it might just simply due to be the fact that there's not necessarily a ton of talent coming back to the Big 12 in terms of overall quarterback play. Number six, John Reese Plumley from UCF, our first newcomer to the conference. John Reese Plumley is a true uh, spread option quarterback, a guy who's more apt to run it than he is anything else. A guy who played wide receiver at Auburn before ultimately getting a chance at quarterback once again with UCF. But interesting to see John Reese Plumley this high. He had over 3000 total yards of offense this past year. A guy who can really light it up if given the opportunity. Uh, we'll see if he can settle in to be more of a true passing type quarterback down the, down the lane. Uh, Hunter Decker, from Iowa State checking in at number 7. Notice we have not seen Keaton Slovis' name pop up yet. Now, 100 Decker's threw over, uh, over 3,000 yards this past year. Quarterback controversy may be brewing in Ames, as Cam Miller writes. He says, highly touted J.J. Cole entering the fold. Decker's will be tasked with uh, limiting mistakes and improving his downfield accuracy to keep his job. But we'll see what happens with Decker's. He's got his work cut out for him. But Iowa State needs better quarterback play because they were not good last year as a team. Decker's had good stats, but like I said, it didn't result in wins. Finally, at number eight, Keaton Slovis checks in. So he's just outside the top half of the quarterbacks here. Uh, What Cam Miller writes is quickly becoming the place to play among NFL draft hopeful talent. The BYU Cougars got a big pickup in the transfer portal in Keaton Slovis. Formerly, Slovis dotted the field with impressive shots with accuracy and power at USC. More recently, however, Slovis fell from grace in a simplified pro-style offense at Pitt that continually looked to run first. Slovis is still that quarterback that unseated JT Daniels at USC and had high-round draft aspirations. When he's at his best, Slovis can sling it with some of the best anticipation in all of college football. That's a good thing for BYU's offense because they do let a quarterback uh, throw to end an- spots and have guys anticipate they'll be at that spot when the ball's there. Tight window throws are no match for him and every level of the field is within reach. How far gone is Slovis' uh, top-end play? That's the only real question surrounding his game entering 2023. I think that's a fair evaluation of what we're expecting from Slovis. Can they get that, like you said, that top-level uh, play the top end play out of Slovis this year. Aaron Roderick is betting on it. And like I said, if BYU wants to be any sort of a player in the Big 12, they need Slovis to stand out. But it's a pretty good spot for him to be in. Not necessarily super high praise, but he's also not at the bottom of the rankings. Now other ones coming in. Number 9, Donovan Smith from Houston. He's a transfer from Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech has a great question of Bayron Morton or Tyler Schuck as their starting quarterback after, after losing Donovan Smith to Houston. You also have Emory Jones and Evan Prater battling it out at Cincinnati. Emory Jones, a former four-star talent at Florida. Spent a year at ASU and now going to finish up his career with the Cincinnati Bearcats in a new system. Who knows how that's going to go? Will Evan Prater uh, take over there? All these other ones have a quarterback question or a controversy brewing. Garrett Green and Nico Martial at uh, West Virginia are in this mix. Alan Bowman, Garrett Rangel, or Gunnar Gundy, who is the son of head coach Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State at number 13. And then bringing up the rear, Crazily enough, like I mentioned, Max Duggan may be the best quarterback in the Big 12 last year, leading TCU to the national title, but Cam Miller thinks that TCU is bringing up the rear, whether it's Chandler Morris or Josh Hoover taking over the job for the Horned Frogs. He thinks they have their work cut out for them truly to be a a true difference maker or be the difference makers to help TCU uh, follow up that phenomenal season. We'll see, but I think it's a pretty decent spot for a guy like Keaton Slovis to be in. I think that he is set up to have some success if he can come in and really understand the nuances of BYU's offense. The, 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 the opportunity that guys like Jaron Hall and Zach Wilson a little bit different because Zach was kind of thrown in uh, as a freshman and just really kind of got his feet wet as he went along, dealt with injuries, that type of stuff. But Jaron Hall, he's able to sit back and kind of really absorb a lot of what the offensive tendencies, the nuances, the overall philosophy of what BYU is doing on offense. They're going to have to do that in a, a, like a cram session type format for Keaton Slovis the good news is he will have spring ball to work out with BYU get things down uh, Jake Retzlaff probably will be the guy pushing him the most for playing time as the number two quarterback in my mind but don't count out guys like Cade Fenegan either in that quarterback battle but Keaton Slovis has got to make sure that he is capitalizing on his opportunity given to him at BYU as you heard Cam mentioned in that article he has aspirations of being a high round draft pick well that's That aspiration's probably gone. I think he's just looking, hoping to have an opportunity to go out and prove that he can get back to the level, at least at some point, some semblance of what he showed at USC and be a difference maker in an offense once again. And BYU's offense, we all know it, it's quarterback friendly. Aaron Roderick uh, with Jeff Grimes way back when, they developed this to be an offense where quarterbacks can succeed and having back-to-back guys go to the NFL. Zach Wilson, obviously the number two overall pick. It hasn't necessarily worked out at the NFL level, but regardless, what he showed at the college level was absolutely dynamite. Jaron Hall, when he was healthy, absolute dynamite in his own right. He's probably going to be a mid-round pick. Pick. Probably a day three guy, around four, five, six, somewhere in there. But regardless, he's going to be on an NFL roster. BYU is a breeding ground, once again, for quarterbacks who have aspirations of playing professional football, particularly in the NFL. Can Keaton Slovis carry that forward? Well, BYU better hope he can, because if he cannot, BYU is going to struggle a lot more than I think many of us might be anticipating this year, especially with a defense that's still very much probably is going to be in learning mode, at least in year one, under Jay Hill's tenure as BYU's defensive coordinator. They need an offense, speaking of the Cougars, that can go out and in certain circumstances, if everything's going the way they want it to, can win games in a shootout fashion. The Big 12 is not averse to being more of what we used to see with the wacky whack way back in the 1990s, where the team that has the ball last wins the game. We have seen plenty of those type of matchups in the Big 12 of recent years, but BYU has to have a quarterback that can go toe-to-toe with anybody else out there. The nice part is the one thing I will always credit Keaton Slovis Is having is he has never been a a G5 quarterback. He has always been a Power 5 quarterback. The speed, the the need to anticipate throws to be able to make the, uh, plays with your feet when needed. He has always been at that level. He has played high level football his entire career. The speed, the the, the level, the let me trying to say the stage will not be too big for a guy like Keaton Slowis. At least at least it shouldn't be. He has proven that he can succeed at the highest levels. Now can be why you get him back to that highest level. We're all about to find out this fall, but very much looking forward to tracking him in spring ball to begin with and on throughout the summer on into training camp, et cetera. All right, we will round out today's show, a Thursday edition of the podcast with a look at BYU basketball taking on Santa Clara tonight. We'll also talk about another one of the games in our look back at all 155 games BYU played in their independent era with the season opener for the 2013 season, game 27 of 155. We'll get to that in mere moments. Today's show is brought to you by our friends, a new friend over at Perry Home. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, my friends, Perry Homes has the house for you. For 50 years, five decades, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. They can customize your experience to you. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They've also got multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to get down to the southern part of the state and get out of the snow during the winter. Perry Homes offers over 50 unique home designs from Rambler's to two stories, to townhomes. They've got it all available to you guys. They've even got quick move-in homes available if you're ready to move right now. And the best part is they're offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender as well. Visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the podcast. Uh, today's show is a pre-recorded one. I'm actually in California as I speak to you in a way from the future, the magic of radio and podcasting. I'm uh, taking some time off to be with my wife in Southern California, get out of the snow for a little bit, looking forward to spending some time with her, but did not want to leave you guys empty-handed. So anything that breaks, if anything crazy happens, the Pac-12 falls apart, or the Pac-12 gets a media rights deal and uh, sticks it to the Big 12, whatever it might be. Even beyond that, any news involved in BYU that's breaking, we'll have it for you guys as we recap it on Monday. We'll also have a Friday edition of the podcast. It's already ready for you guys as well. So we're not leaving you empty-handed, even though I am technically on vacay. All right, before we go on today's show, let's look back at two things. First off, let's talk about a game tonight. BYU taking on the Santa Clara Broncos. Cougars 16 and 12, 6 and 7 in conference. The Santa Clara Broncos 19 and 8, 7 and 5 in conference, and looking to bolster their positioning near the top of the standings. BYU lost to Santa Clara in a disappointing fashion. We all know that out there getting dominated in many ways. The biggest thing for BYU in this game tonight is to control the tempo. Play this on your terms. You are in the Marriott Center. It's a 7 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Network if you want to tune into it. If you're not going to the game, I would encourage you if you have an opportunity get down to the Marriott Center and support the Cougars. Uh, they've had a, a up and down year. We all know that. But they deserve uh, the support that you can muster if you are capable of mustering that support in person. Regardless, this should be an interesting game. Now the ESPN uh, matchup predictor actually has BYU as a 74.4% favorite to win this game. I am stunned it is that high because Santa Clara is a program that BYU struggled against mightily out there in Santa Clara. Obviously, playing on your home court changes the mentality. BYU has been far more dangerous on their home court this year. Mark Pope continues to talk about this is a young team and great. You can call it what it you will. But BYU has been far more capable of winning games at home or being in those games at home, we'll find out. It's going to be an interesting matchup. They have to play this game more on their terms, speaking of BYU. Play at your pace, make threes, uh, get to the rim, rebound at a high level, defend at a pretty good level as well. And BYU has a good chance, I think, to pick up a win. They got to get back above 500 in conference play. I was reading a story in the Deseret News that BYU is on track to have their worst conference record in 18 years. The last time they had a conference record this bad or worse is that 9-21 year that uh, Steve Cleveland had before he exited the program uh, to go to Fresno State. Of course, Dave Rose took over after that. Crazy, crazy times with BYU basketball. But a big opportunity all the same as they look f- to take down the Broncos at the Marriott Center. So, once again, a 7 o'clock tip on CBS Sports Network. All right, final thing before we go on today's show is the BYU, as we look back at all 155 games in BYU football history, opened the 2013 season with a whole lot of hype about them. He had a standout running back in Jamal Williams. You had Taysom Hill taking over as the guy at quarterback for BYU, a guy that you were like, okay, this is going to be a big opportunity for them to go to Virginia, play a Power 5 program that has not necessarily been all that great, and have an opportunity to really show what they can do. They also had a new offensive coordinator. After the 2012 season, uh, BYU decided to make a change, Bronco Mendenhall uh, bringing uh, former BYU Offensive corner uh, Robert Anai back into the fold, obviously dismissing uh, Brandon Doman after that. Uh, they brought that... Go fast, go hard offense. He wanted the slim down offensive lineman. He wanted to run plays at a breakneck speed. Speaking of Coach Nye coming back from Arizona where he worked with Rich Rod uh, down there in Tucson. Well, he had a quarterback that was built for that. Taysom Hill was every bit the dual threat quarterback you expected him to be. But this was a game that BYU's go fast, go hard offense got slowed down due to essentially a mud bog that was uh, in Charlottesville. BYU was out there in Virginia and just got rained on. It was an absolute downpour. And BYU struggled in those conditions. Hill completed 13 of 40 passes for 175 yards. One touchdown against one interception. Jamal Williams had a good day rushing the football. 33 carries for 144 yards. Uh, BYU as a team ran for 187 yards, but it was missed opportunities across the board for BYU in this game. That's the disappointing part about this one. Kevin Parks had a 13-yard touchdown with 2.36 to go that ultimately put Virginia ahead 19-16, to which was the final margin as BYU lost their season opener uh, to drop to 0-1. That play came one play after Anthony Harris intercepted a pass from Taysom Hill that had thrown that was out, remember if it was out if you're watching that game, Taysom threw it out of the backfield. It went right into Jamal Williams' hands, but with the wet conditions, it like tipped off it's like it just glanced off his arms and went right up in the air. And Anthony Harris was the one who intercepted it. And once again, Kevin Parks took it in for the game-winning touchdown. It was an absolute just crazy crazy weather day for BYU the Cougars tried to uh, get up in the scoring position to tie the game but then Hill threw four consecutive incompletions badly overthrowing his receiver on the final one to get the, to ultimately seal their fate because they like I said they had two minutes to two minutes and change to work with but uh, as far as season openers go, it was just a disappointing one because, like, like I said, had Jamal Williams held on to that ball, BYU probably sees that game out. And it's one of those games that, the, like I said, the rain was absolutely torrential. Many of you might recall having either gone to that game or watched it. You could tell that the field was just in awful shape and the ball was wet. It just, it was a tough tough thing and obviously one mistake can seal your fate like that and it, it's disappointing but BYU gets to 0-1 not gets to 0-1 they fall to 0-1 to start their season but they came back home for their second straight week as their home opener was against the 15th ranked Texas Longhorns and if you know BYU's independent history you know what was about to unfold and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast alright so that's going to do it for today's show a huge thank you once again for your guys' support as always just a quick request for you guys if there's something you'd like to see us do during the offseason uh, updates on, on players, recruiting type stuff, whatever you want to see us do. If you have a segment we used to do in the past you'd like to see return to the podcast and be a part of the rotation, love to hear your guys' input. You can email us lockedonbyu@gmail.com. at gmail.com Drop us a DM on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked on Cougars. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. I'm always open to hear from you guys. Just respond to a tweet or just send me a DM. Love to hear from you guys and interact with you. If there's something you'd like to see, comments, concerns, questions, Questions, Whatever you got. Love to hear from you guys and send those in now and let us know what you think. All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the show. Once again, a big thank you for your support as always. Make sure you make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Josh Neighbors getting you up to speed on everything going on in Big 12 football, basketball, and beyond. Get that available on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. Until tomorrow, my friends, hope you all are doing fantastic. This has been the Locked On Cougars Podcast. See ya.